Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth Podcast, where we open our Bibles and talk about the beauty, goodness, and truth we find there. I'm your host, Amanda Bible Williams. And I'm your other host, Rachel Myers. And today in our sixth episode in the This is the Old Testament series, we are joined by a repeat guest, Trillia Newbell. Trillia, you may remember, was with us for episode 39. Um, we were talking about the book of Ephesians at that time. Now we've got Trillia here talking about minor prophets. We had such a fun time kind of going on the journey from, I don't know how we feel about the minor prophets to we love the minor prophets all in the course of an hour. And honestly, I kind of think you might too. Y'all are going to love this episode. I've already introduced Trillia to you before, but in case you didn't hear that episode, Trillia, she's a prolific, beautiful author. She has written books like A Great Cloud of Witnesses, Sacred Endurance, If God is for Us, and she even has a really good children's book called God's Very Good Idea. Y'all, she's fantastic, and she loves God's Word, and we believe this conversation has the power to take you from, I don't know how I feel about the Minor Prophets, to, ooh, I like the Minor Prophets. So that's the dare, that's the ask, let's get right to it. Julia, the last time we were together, I believe we were singing. Yes, we were. What a joy. Which, I think you could call what Rachel and I were doing singing. We could for sure call what yeah, you were doing singing. Yeah. Well, I mostly hummed. That's really what I they mean, recorded. But <laughs> you have such a beautiful hum. You hum so beautifully. It was so Thank good. I mean, at this point, as this episode is airing, it's been a couple of months now, but um, many of our listeners have been big champions of the Faithful Project and heard us talking about it Mm -hmm. a lot. And so anytime we get one of our faithful authors or songwriter friends to come on the podcast, it feels like a double dip fun. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, Trillia, you were the humming of Amazing Grace in Call Upon Him which is, I didn't know you had that talent. Well, I didn't either until they asked me. <laughs> Are you serious? No, no, no. Well, I helped lead worship at a church, but I was a worshiper. And it was in yeah. a city where there aren't a bunch of singers. It's so not Nashville. It's not Nashville. Where, so, where Nashville, like actual bands with albums exactly. are leading worship on Sunday yeah, mornings. So yeah, so I'm like, I keep telling our friends who... Yeah organize the Faithful Project. I am a worshiper, and I'm yeah. happy to worship, but I'm not a singer. Okay. <laughs> I actually love, I mean, and should we all label ourselves as worshipers? Absolutely. Right. I like that yeah. distinction. I like that distinction, though. Well, anyway, and it, yeah. feels, it feels right that you mention Call Upon Him. Like, as we're reading, here we are in the sixth week of our This is the Old Testament yeah. reading plan. Almost and to the end. Podcast series. Yes. And so, and we are right in the thick of the Minor Prophets. And so, and that is a lot of what, you know, these were men who were mouthpieces for God to God's people. And a lot of what they said was like, call upon him, turn to him. He is God. You, my friends, are not. And it's a lot of that kind of over and over. So I feel like that was a really good segue, right? Good job. That was, I premeditated that days ago. (laughs) Not at all. Working Um, on it. I'm so excited to talk about these guys. We were praying before we hit record, just like thanking God for these five men because they were humans in real time in history. And it was funny, like mid prayer, I was saying like, thank you, you know, that they faithfully, you know, were mouthpieces for you that we could hear. And Amanda said something (laughs) under her breath. (laughs) like mostly faithful. Mostly faithful. I mean, we do. We've got our buddy Jonah. But don't you know that maybe... I like that Amanda talked under her breath during my prayer. (laughs) Mostly, Lord. You and I know. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you and I love this yeah. informer. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. But, we get you it. Know, it's yeah. good to remember that they're humans. And that's right. In the book of Jonah, and we'll see, we'll talk about it. We get a 
closer, like a close-up glimpse of his humanity. But don't you know that all of these guys had moments where they were like, this is crazy. And I mean, um, even Moses, the first prophet. I was about to say, like all of the scriptures. He was a beautiful wreck. I mean, a beautiful mess, just like us all. Yeah. Well, okay. So here we are. Last week, we covered Jeremiah through Joel. So we had some major, some minor prophets with our friend, Kelly Mentor, who's also a singer, songwriter, faithful author, artist. We're just going to keep plugging that project until all of you go listen. This is so good. And to clarify major versus minor, it has nothing to do with importance. It is just the size of the book. Truly. Number of words. Yeah, number of words. So Isaiah, Jeremiah, those are big, heavier hitters. Yep. Yeah. In our conversation with Ezekiel Daniel. Sorry, I felt like I was like shortchanging those guys. They're fine. They're in there too. This week, we're going to start with Amos and go through Nahum. And we talked a lot with Kelly just about prophets and prophecy. So, you know, be sure to catch that episode as well. But we talked about who the prophets were, that they were humans, and how to read them, that, you know, that these books were written in a context of history and space and time. And so as a reminder of that context, the kingdoms of Israel had split from a divided monarchy to two separate kingdoms, Israel to the north, Judah to the south. And we know that, you know, there's going to be defeat that's coming, there's exile. And so there's a lot of talk about judgment that's coming and exile that's coming. And there's also a lot of talk of restoration that's coming. And so we're going to get to it, but that's the context. I think that like, even like with that context, one of the things that I have appreciated so much about studying the major and minor prophets is that while we do have like the very real reality that there's a lot of judgment and a lot Mm -hmm. of like, hey, if you don't this and if you do this... One of the big things that I'm learning as we study the major and minor prophets is that we're studying a God who communicates to his people yeah. and calls them has and, relationship and with. pursues relationship right. with his people. And so like with all the this and that and the other, like the biggest picture of them all is God wants relationship with his people. Yes. Which is pretty wild yeah. for the God of the universe right. to want relationships, not just with his people collectively, but with individual humans. Like he has relationships with these prophets, That's for right. example. Yeah. And when we're reading from the prophets, we're learning about God's character. And so those hard things, Rachel, that you just mentioned, what we learn is that God doesn't turn a blind eye to mm-hmm. the brokenness of our world. Mm-hmm. which is so immensely comforting. Mm-hmm. And that not only that, that he is a God who is just. So we're going to talk a lot about justice. In fact, I mean, let's just get started. We'll continue to kind of weave in and out of talking about sure, um, yeah. the context of the readings. But speaking of justice, I mean, we start this week with the book of Amos. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, Trillia... The uh, day of the Lord. Yeah. yeah. And Trillia, I know you've read recently from Amos and like it has that verse that a lot of us like to quote yeah when we're talking about justice right yeah and that is our key verse absolutely of the book but there's a lot more to the book there yeah. is right? so much and one of the things that I was thinking as you all were talking about the relationship and mm-hmm. also about God's desire for that relationship with his people right. is that in his kindness he warns us he warns them he warns us he highlights okay this is 
this is what is coming. But then as you were talking about call upon him, I kept yeah. thinking of the verse in Amos where he is saying, seek the Lord and live. Yeah. Seek yes. the Lord and live. He's kind of telling them, okay, this is this is what you can do. Seek him and and live. And so it's interesting. Yeah, just in his kindness as mm-hmm. he is casting judgment, like this is judgment to come, mm-hmm. which actually does happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right that he's giving these warnings, almost like, fear me, fear the Lord, know me. But as your key verse, but let justice flow like water and righteousness like an unfailing stream. I mean, if we're thinking about the context, what's going on here is that they are being judged because they have oppressed the poor. Mm -hmm. They are using their riches in ways that are against God's law. They're not caring for people. Mm -hmm. And so he's saying righteousness, which would be right equitable relationship with others, regardless of their social difference or their, mm-hmm. where they are in society. And then justice would be concrete action. Mm-hmm. So concrete yeah. action to correct the injustice. He is saying, let this be. Let us live a righteous life, yeah. which would be right with people, mm-hmm. right. right, for those people, and then take that and act justly. Yeah. It's interesting. It's like, huh, maybe that's the message for today too. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> right. There's something about because at first I thought when I was reading it, I was thinking, okay, context, context, keep it in the context. But God's word has something to say for us today. Right. Absolutely. And we should ask the Lord, okay, well, how can we or how should we righteously live? Right. And righteously act. Yeah. yeah. That is just acting as well for people, for others. Right. That is a reflection of God and his character. And Absolutely. you're right, Rachel. We, you know, Amos is talking about the day of the Lord. Like right. this key verse comes in the context of a passage that in the CSB, in my Bible, the heading is the day of the Lord. It's funny because the key verse is such a quotable nugget. Yes. But when you place Very it in context, it's friendly. a little like, it's not what you would expect. The yeah. context is actually pretty, pretty fascinating. Yeah. Let's read it in context. So we're in Amos chapter five. Let's start at verse 18 and go through verse 24, yeah, the key yeah. verse. Trulia, would you like to read that for us? Yeah. Woe to you who long for the day of the Lord. What will the day of the Lord be for you? It will be darkness and not light. It will be like a man who flees from a lion only to have a bear confront him. Hmm. He goes home and rests his hand against the wall only to have a snake bite him. Won't the day of the Lord be darkness rather than light, even gloom without any brightness in it? I hate I despise your feast. I can't stand the stench of your solemn assembles. Even if you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. I will have no regard for your fellowship offerings to have fattened cattle. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps, but let justice roll like water and righteousness like an unfailing stream. Mm-hmm. Now in context, it does Woo. matter. Yeah, he's yeah. saying this is all the word of, of the Lord. Works. Yeah. Yeah, all of your works are nothing. It's hypocrisy. Yeah. If yeah. you are not living out this justice and righteousness. That verse 19 that'll be like a man who flees from a lion only to be confronted by a bear or who like runs home and puts his hand on the wall only to have mm. a snake bite him. Like what a word picture that God is painting here right yeah. now and when he's calling for justice. 
Yeah. And this response of the justice that he is proclaiming that Amos, you know, as a mouthpiece for the Lord here, is proclaiming that justice will flow like water and righteousness like an unfailing stream. That that imagery is comforting to us, but water is mighty. Yeah. <laughs> and right. water can be destructive. And like this is the pouring out of justice of a righteous, holy God on all of humanity's hypocrisy. Like, yes. this is the appropriate response to sin. If we want a God, right, who is, we want our God to be holy, we want our God to be just, but we cannot want that and also want our sin to just be overlooked right. or swept under the rug. Like, those two things can't go together. That's right. And so, a God who is perfectly righteous and holy must also be a God who is perfectly just. Like he is, and he's not part merciful, part just, part good, part right. holy. Like he is all of those things all of the time. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's really jar to me, frankly, it was jarring to read that key verse that, you know, we're in. 2020 and 2021, it's a social media friendly verse Mm -hmm. that I have seen. And not that it's not God's word and that it's not okay to Mm -hmm. pull that verse out and put it on the wall. But also read, read it in context and see that like, this is a, a powerful, mighty God who is making all things right. Right. May I add something that I was just thinking about? Yes, please. Because as you were talking and thinking of context, Israel would not have thought that they were going to receive that judgment. So Amos is telling of all of the judgment Mm -hmm. that's coming to all of the nations surrounding it. And so I think when you were saying that, it just dawned on me that it would have been a kind of a shock like, wait, they thought that they were receiving God's blessing. Yeah. But, you know, they because they're God's wealth, people. Mm-hmm. God, uh, yeah. They're, they're the yeah. chosen nation. Yeah. yeah. And then their response is, okay, well, I'm going to do these things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, no, God's after our hearts. Yeah. He, he right. wants a relationship, as yeah. you were saying. And so it is jarring. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It, is, it jarring. is jarring. But even like we were saying at the top of the episode, that like the encouragement that we draw from seeing in the prophets that God is pursuing his people for relationship, that's a cozy thing to say until we right. understand what that relationship, uh-huh. what that covenant looks like, which is, you know, be holy as I am holy. And that like what that justice looks like. It's what the question at the end of this day in the study book asks, what is God's reaction to what he hates? And how does your own reaction to sin compare with his? And that helped me kind of address all the questions that kind of stirred up when we read not just the key verse, but the context of the key verse. And it just reminds us of what we know and what we're continuing to learn about the character of God and what justice looks like, what relationship and covenant with God looks like. And part of it is if we ask the question, what is God's reaction to sin, to what he hates? And then I ask, what is my reaction to that? I don't have to look at the specks in other people's eye. I can spend Mm -hmm. all that time having that conversation about the log in my own eye, because that's the question. It's an internal question, not like, what's my reaction to Amanda's sin? You know, like, 
So. <laughs> I'd uh, much rather have that conversation. Right. Yeah, I like, would much rather have that about conversation about someone else's yeah. sin. But when I just draw the line and draw a little circle around myself and go like, no, actually, I should probably sit in the question of what should be my reaction mm-hmm. to my own sin. Right. I think that really gives it gave me a lot to think about. Absolutely. Yeah. It all kind of boils down to idolatry for me. Yeah. And we see a lot of that. We're going to continue to see that in the minor prophets. But even in this passage, if you keep going past verse 24, it's in verse 25, it says, House of Israel, was it sacrifices and grain offerings that you presented to me during the 40 years in the wilderness? But you have taken up Sakath your king and mm-hmm. Kaiwan your star god, mm-hmm. images you have made for yourselves. So I will send you into exile beyond Damascus. The Lord, the God of armies, is his name. He has spoken. And when I read that, I just wrote in the margin, I'm going to go ahead and give you what you want, what you asked for. Mm. You know, like, and I, I'm not putting words in God's mouth, but I just, there are consequences to our decisions to put ourselves in the place of God mm-hmm. or to put, or to craft gods that are more appealing and palatable to us. Idol factories that we are. Yeah, yeah. right. And so much of this, you know, is about, it's so much about the heart. And we're going to continue to see that over and over again. In fact, I mean, I think we see it in Obadiah. If we want to just keep going. Yeah, yeah. Turn the page here. One of the shortest books, not the one of the, the shortest book the in the Old Testament. The shortest book. It's a little bitty guy. So we have in the study book on page 195 an extra that shows how long it takes to read mm-hmm. any given book of the Old Testament. And, you know, for Amos, 24 minutes. For Obadiah, four minutes. For Jonah, eight minutes. I mean, we think of Jonah as like, well, I'm going to study Jonah. And we should. And we should give it lots of time. But what if we sat down and read it also in eight minutes? Isn't that funny? No, it is. And what it's so interesting because I think sometimes we just overcomplicate. We make it too hard. Yeah. And by we, I mean me. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And so it's just, that's so good. Even the, so the Psalms is, of course, the longest book in the Bible, but that would take less than five hours. To sit down and read if you were just, and that's an average reader. Like that's just based on like the math of what an average reader words per minute. It's And to be honest, I just know in my head when I look at these times, I just have to add a little bit because I'm not a fast reader. I'm I'm actually actually not either. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a slow reader. And so, but it's still rather convicting, honestly, to, to look at that and think of the other, of some of the really inconsequential and silly ways that I choose to spend my time. Uh, <laughs> and how, you know, we were just talking about... My toes hurt now. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Yeah. I'm so sorry. You should have worn some steel toe boots now. Yeah. We were talking about, you know, that handy dandy screen time function oh, on yeah. the old iPhone. On the old and iPhone. it is fascinating how quickly my 15 minute warning on Instagram can yeah. pop up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and just like it just comes and goes like like yeah. I've just scrolled away 15 I minutes. I felt like super noble about setting a limit like across games and Instagram, no more than 30 minutes a day. But then I look at this chart and I'm like, look how I could be spending my time. <laughs> That's amazing. Like somehow 30 minutes felt noble. But uh-huh. no, I'm just like, OK. And no, we listen. know like yes. this is not a judgment or like yeah. it's. But if we, we are want, called to make the most of the time. Yeah. yeah. And if yeah. we want to know God's word. There's a way to do that, it's and not, that way is yeah. to read it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I'm just going to confess. Can I confess? Yeah. Oh, Are we Go a confessing podcast? Mm-hmm. I don't spend a lot of time in the minor prophets. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean... So, <laughs> I, and I think most of us are with you. I think, I, yeah. I've read them. And let's but, talk about why. Like, why not? That's a great question. I think I'm just... I don't know. I think I navigate 
towards what I know. Yeah. And here's What's the familiar. truth. Yeah. You can read. You can read these in four minutes, eight minutes. But if you want to know them, like you need to be reading right. Deuteronomy. and Because right, yeah. even Amos, like you're That's all right. over Chronicles. You're all over the, the scriptures yeah. to really, un- really understand yeah. the context. You're right. We didn't get that context by just reading. Just right. one thing. You've got to keep the reading. Other, the other yeah. thing that just super intimidates me, and I don't know, like I know not all people feel this way, but I feel... I feel ill-equipped from like a geographical and historical perspective, oh, yes. <laughs> like to know like, okay, the Northern Kingdom, the Southern Kingdom, like I'm supposed to know that stuff, but it's hard to remember like the cultural context of each of these. Yeah. Who are they prophesying mm-hmm. to when? Because it's the canonical order of scripture is not the chronological order of even when these things took place. Like kind of the final events of the Old Testament were Esther and then Ezra and Nehemiah. Like that's kind of what happened at the end of the actual timeline. So these major minor prophets are interspersed Mm -hmm. through kind of the second half of the events of the Mm -hmm. Old Testament. And so that extra layer of like who to whom and like when... (laughs) Yeah. And then instead, I don't know, like to me, like maybe to free myself to go like, okay, you know what? Read it. Yes. What have you learned about God here? Yes. You know, mm-hmm. and it doesn't mean like don't dig in, don't understand the context. Like that's, you're right, Julia, that's super important. But I think that we are just so, you're right. I think that probably 90% of our listeners would agree the minor prophets are not where we hang out. Yeah. Because there's so there, much in there that but we, there's so yeah. much that there's so much that we're missing yeah. if we're not there. And it's such a, I just am laughing at the sentence I'm about to say, because I realize how absurd it sounds. There's such a good companion to the rest of the Bible. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to a pretty read big the, percentage of the Bible. Right. Yeah. And yeah. to read the minor prophets in light of the rest of scripture and to read the rest of scripture in light of the minor prophet, you know, it all works together. Right. I think if I were to give myself and any uh, anyone else who aspires to just know God's word and know God's heart and continue to study. I think the biggest piece of advice other than just like, just open your Bibles and start is to just be patient Yeah, mm-hmm. because there is value to sitting down and reading things in one fell swoop. Mm-hmm. There's also value in really meditating and, you know, and marinating in passages. There's value in these old Testament books and in the new Testament. And it is a lot of Mm -hmm. A lot of words. There are a lot of words, a lot of concepts, an endless amount of things for us to learn about God Mm -hmm. and ourselves and history. And it takes a lifetime. It does, which is actually kind of freeing. It is. It is. Very freeing. It is. Mm -hmm. Like We get a lifetime to understand what we're about to talk about. (laughs) I mean, we talk, Amanda, you and I have talked before about how Bible reading is an ongoing exercise in both raising and lowering our expectations. You know, (laughs) lowering our expectations that it doesn't have to look the way somebody else's Bible reading time looks or lowering our expectations that it may not actually be quiet time. Or that I may not feel like I've been on the mountaintop every time I for how we might feel mm-hmm. after having read scripture That's that day. Right. So if we kind of lower those expectations, but then also raise them to know like all the things that scripture promises to do, to not return yeah. void, to be living and active, all of these things. So we can both lower and raise our expectations, mm-hmm. even in the minor prophets. Yeah. That and we're we going to learn about God. God. Yes. Yeah. Enjoy him. And we're okay. in his presence, in his word. Yeah. Yeah. So Obadiah. I know the we just totally <laughs> No, that's such a worthwhile detour. But yeah. Obadiah the detour is the, sh- is the road, as they say. <laughs> but um sh- faithful songs reference. Yeah. Okay. That's amazing. Obadiah, shortest book in the Old Testament. And I think this is a good kind of use case. And what we're just talking about, yeah. like this is a tiny book. 
that really contains multitudes. And I'm not just saying that because in Obadiah, we're going to see, we see God's holiness. We also see God's mercy. We see that God rules as a sovereign, powerful God. And he's also a God who cares for his people. And so it, you know, so many of these tensions, they're not a tension to God. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're not a tension to God. But for us as humans, we have to hold those things in tension because we don't, we can't fully understand how all of that reconciles in the Godhead, in the person who is God. But let's read some of this. Our key verse is verse 21, but I would love for us to read kind of for some context. And there's no chapter. It's just one chapter. Notice how Amanda did not give a chapter. That's right. There's no, it's just, it is just Obadiah, the one chapter of Obadiah. But let's maybe read 15 through 18. Yeah. And then hop over to the key verse. Ray, you want to read for us? Sure. Yeah. For the day of the Lord is near against all the nations. As you have done, it will be done to you. What you deserve will return on your own head. As you have drunk on my holy mountain, so all the nations will drink continually. They will drink and gulp down and be as though they had never been. But there will be a deliverance on Mount Zion, and it will be holy. The house of Jacob will dispossess those who dispossessed them. Then the house of Jacob will be a blazing fire and the house of Joseph a burning flame. But the house of Esau will be stubble. Jacob will set them on fire and consume Edom. Therefore, no survivor will remain of the house of Esau, for the Lord has spoken. So we have this picture, right, of God's it's God's justice, but it's also God's mercy. Yeah. So God's, you know, judgment against sin, but also he's keeping his covenant. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, he's doing what he his, said he would do. He's keeping his covenant the headings with his for people. The passage says the judgment of the nations. Right. Yeah. I mean, so God is both giving what is deserved, yep. but also what is completely not deserved right. in the form of grace and mercy. And so we mm-hmm. have that key verse, verse 21, saviors will ascend Mount Zion to rule over the hill country of Esau and the kingdom will be the Lord's. Mm. And in between the passage you just read and that key verse, we get like names and territories. And yeah. again and again, we see in the Old Testament that this is history and God is specifically keeping his promise. Yeah, these things, and, mm-hmm. I said the part that I read was called the judgment of the nation. And then the second part is called future blessing for Israel. And these are Mm. things that not only were spoken in Obadiah, but did indeed come to pass and will come to pass. Yeah. Hey, friends, if you love She Reads Truth, you probably love how we pair God's Word with the aesthetic beauty it deserves. We enjoy being creative and finding the beauty, goodness, and truth in the world around us. That's one reason we're so excited about our partnership with our friends over at Skillshare. Skillshare helps you move your creative journey forward without putting life on hold. Their short classes are a perfect fit for a busy routine. There are so many great classes on Skillshare on topics like photography, productivity, video script writing, and so much more. Friends, this online learning community is offering our listeners a free trial of Skillshare's premium membership. With Skillshare, practice makes progress. Advancing toward a creative goal is achievable with short lessons, hands-on projects, and classes designed for real life. Do something today you didn't think you could do yesterday. 
Explore your creativity at Skillshare.com slash She Reads Truth, where our listeners get a free trial of their premium membership. That's two weeks free at Skillshare.com slash She Reads Truth. I want to think about how this, you know, God's judgment and his keeping his promises. We were just in Amos where we were talking about justice, Mm -hmm. right? And connecting those dots, like when I think about just God's holiness kind of in its own category, I struggle to see holiness as a relatable trait. (laughs) Shocking to no one. But it just feels, it almost makes God feel untouchable, which he is right, right? Mm-hmm. in in a sense, which is why it's so remarkable that he's a relational God mm-hmm. and makes a way for us to come to him. But I get what um, you're saying, yeah, yeah. But do you get what I'm saying? It almost feels like if you were listing, feels cold. It feels cold. It doesn't feel warm and fuzzy to me. Mm-hmm. But I think what we're seeing over and over in the prophets is that there's a comfort that we can take, mm-hmm. yeah, in God's holiness. Trillia, what do you, how do you reconcile that? Yeah. Well, one of the things that we never got to with Amos is that yeah. there's restoration. And at the end, he's talking about, you yeah. know, he's so gracious. Yes. And then here, Jerusalem's unfaithful, yet he's tied to his people. And so you start the mercy and justice tied together. Yeah. yeah. What makes it comforting for me is that God's holiness means he's set apart. He's not like us. I would never restore I would yeah. just be just. Like, right. Just, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know that I would have such mercy and mm-hmm. he's a redeemer. Mm-hmm. I yeah. am. I think I would punish and yeah. just end it there. But in his, because he's not like us, he does things like he's merciful and yeah. he's compassionate, yeah. which you see in Jonah. And he's loving and he's kind. I don't, I feel like I'm going to cry just thinking about it. Right. Like, yeah. His holiness to me, that's what it, it just reminds me that yeah. he can be trusted fully, that he yeah. is, he is not like man. He's I set apart. That. Yeah. And so because of that, we can see this mercy and justice intertwined that we don't always see on this earth, like in humanity. We don't know how to do that well. Uh-uh. I feel like that's yeah. such an, e- like, it's such a helpful way to just make sense of it, to remind ourselves that he is not like us. Like, we He's can't not. put God in our context and that his character traits are not these sliders where, like, if I need two more holinesses, I need two fewer justices or mercies or whatever. Like, he is all the way yeah. holy. He is all the way kind. He is all the way loving and all the way generous. Like he's all these things. And it's not like, well, I'm going to need to treat you a little bit more. He's just all the way, all the things, all the time. And that is not like us uh-uh. because I am a slider. Like I'm yeah. going to, all right, I'll be a little more <laughs> this and maybe a little less kind, or a little less compassionate 100%. because I'm going to be a little more just. I don't know how to do justice and mercy at the same time in the way that God knows how to do that. Yeah. Yeah. He's always has a plan of redemption, a plan to make all things new. And so it's just this picture of yes, redemption and grace, like in his justice, that yeah. is confusing. It can be a little mm-hmm. mind, but yet so comforting because I know he's not like us. Like, yes, he, he's not going to be like, like we are like shaft, the wind, flow, right, you know, yeah, we're the shifting, right. shifting and yeah. like, one, he's not. Yeah. 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 Ugh, so I'm grateful. I remember <laughs> in high school Bible class, the line that like has just stuck with me forever is that the finite cannot define the infinite. Yes. And that's just given me some like, some real freedom to understand and never be able to understand 
God, right? <laughs> Both. To understand that I can't understand. Yeah. 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 It, is it David who said something like, your something is too glorious for was, me? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, all the things, but like how much yeah. all your ways. Yeah. 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 I love the way that you phrase that. It actually really ministered to me, truly. I thank you for sharing that. And at the same time, like he isn't like us, but in his goodness, and because he is a God who is restoring and making all things new, and because of Jesus and the work of Christ, he actually, God has a relationship with us and is making us more like him. So mm-hmm. that when we are, mm-hmm. when we do give mercy where we wouldn't naturally give mercy, it's a reflection of him. And it's his power that's actually in us and working mm-hmm. through us. And that blows, that just blows my mind. Yeah. But yeah, he's not like us. And boy, I am so thankful. I don't want to move away from Obadiah too soon, but man, I'm thankful for Jonah. <laughs> yeah. He's such a stinker. I call Toby a stinker all the time. Jonah is such a stinker and he does not obey. You know, he's like, yeah. God's like, oh, yeah. hey, go here. And Jonah's like, cool, cool. I'm just going to go this way instead. Yeah. Like if you look at the map and you look at what God asked Jonah to do and then you look at what Jonah did, it's like it's complete actual opposite, opposite. direction. It's, yeah. I mean, hilarious, but also not okay. This is disobedience to the God of, you know, to the God of the universe. So So, let's let's talk about him. Okay. But before we talk about him, I get such a kick out of it. So we spend some time prepping for every episode. And so we have prep notes for this. And often our content editor, Jessica, will like pop in our prep notes and like leave us little like, here's some thoughts, you know, if you want. And one of the things that I got such a kick out of in Obadiah, she was like, Obadiah means like the name Obadiah means servant of Yahweh. And she's like, my two cents, I think that's a better name than Jonah. Like, <laughs> like she's just like, because we're about to read, because like we're about what, to go to Jonah. Yeah. What Jonah, what Jonah <laughs> did here. That's funny. What's cool about Jonah is a minor prophet book is that it's a prophetic narrative. So yeah. it's telling a story, a true story, some, a thing that happened, right? So it's recounting events of when Jonah, God called Jonah to go to the Assyrian city of Nineveh, which was a, Terrible, like it just terrible things happening in Nineveh, like really horrifying things, child sacrifice and the like, like bad stuff. Mm -hmm. And so he called Jonah to go to Nineveh and to preach to the Ninevites on behalf of God. And so, you know, we laugh about Jonah, but also I know what they do there. I'm not going to put myself in danger. I'm I'm just ad-libbing. This is not from scripture, but Mm -hmm. like he doesn't go. Well, and like not only like do I not want to put myself in danger, but like I don't want them to be a part uh-huh. of God's family because yeah, that means no they're a part of my family. I don't want salvation for them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And also they'll probably kill me. So it's a no-go for yeah. me. Yeah. God. It's a no for me talk. <laughs> so, you know, he's called to go and he doesn't go, but then he does because we know about the story of the fish, right? Which, side note, maybe a whale, also maybe not. It just right. says large fish. <laughs> sure, sure. Everyone. <laughs> just fun fact, trivia fact for you the next time you're playing Bible trivia. <laughs> I have a note here that is not my doing that says some people think it was a sperm whale or a whale shark. Yes. So there you go. (laughs) Just dig into that later on your own time. Okay. The fun thing about the fish, though, is that, like, we don't do this as much now, but, like, in ancient times, like, in early Christianity in Rome, 3rd and 4th century AD, actually, like, the images of, like, Jonah are found, like, if you look at – you know this. Are you going to – Yeah. carry on. No, like, I I see you're you're doing it. (laughs) Christian catacombs are – often found with images of Jonah, whales, fish, because they take it seriously. Like they see that as like a reference to their future resurrection. 
Isn't that cool? It is cool. Makes me want to put a fish on my headstone. I don't have a current headstone, but I'm just saying. <laughs> when it happens. Yeah. <laughs> planning, trying to just plan ahead. Yeah. Yeah, let's don't. Let's don't plan ahead like that. How about it? And in those, it looks like a sea monster, kind of like a serpent. That's right. They don't always look like fish or yeah. whales. I mean, they often not, look more a little serpentine. I just drew an ichthus in the air with my finger. And it's we appreciate like that. that because mm-hmm. this is a this is a radio show, not a TV <laughs> Sorry. show. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. So, Jonah, given a specific call. Yeah. Does the opposite thing in the fish, vomited out three days. Sorry for saying vomit. And then he goes and he does what God tells him to do. And the response yeah. is shocking. Right. Right. Let's read some of it. Let's see. So the king responds. This is in chapter three. He like is like, guys, here's what we're going to do. This is clearly my paraphrase. We are going to turn. We are going to put on sackcloth. We are going to earnestly seek God. We are going to repent the whole nine, like we're doing this because, and I love this line in verse nine, who knows? God may turn and relent. He may turn from his burning anger so that we will not perish. Like what an important line amidst all the stories of the minor prophets, amidst all those messages. It's this enemy city, the king of the enemy city saying, who knows? Yeah. Maybe God yeah. will turn and relent and, and include listen, us. Yeah. Listen to what God does. This is verse 10. And then I'm going to keep going into chapter four. God saw their actions, that they had turned from their evil ways. So God relented from the disaster he had threatened them with, and he did not do it. Mm-hmm. We could talk for another hour on, and he did not do it. But I'm going to keep going. <laughs> so this is Jonah chapter four, verse one. Jonah was greatly displeased <laughs> and became furious. Oh. He prayed to the Lord. Please, Lord, isn't this what I said while I was still in my own country? I warned you they would repent. Yeah, right? I mean, literally. That's why I fled toward Tarshish in the first place. And this is our key verse. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God. I mean, he's almost like he's spiteful, a, right? Accusing God of being gracious. I knew gracious you were a gracious and, and yes, compassionate yes. God. Slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, and one who relents from sending disaster. And now, Lord, take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. The Lord asked, is it right for you to be angry? And then there's this amazing story this about the whole, tree. Jonah fascinates me. It is I mean, what about it? Like, Wow. Okay, let's unpack. Trillia, I know that we all have thoughts swirling, but like, how do you relate with this? Like, who do you relate with in this story? Oh, goodness. <laughs> well, that's hard. It's not a trick question. <laughs> it's, it's such an interesting question to ask. We were in Bible study a couple of Sundays ago, and like somebody asked the question, like, who do you relate with in the story of the woman at the well? And we were having mm. this whole discussion, and like each of us genuinely related with somebody else in the story. Yeah. But like, I think it's a good Bible studying question it's to ask. It's such a good question, but it's hard because yeah. it's interesting because there's a part of me that relates to the king. I became a Christian at As the age of 22. As a redeemed human, yeah. Did 22. you? I yeah. didn't know that. So when you I were an read adult. that, I was like tearing up. I was right. like, gosh, he is so compassionate that, yeah. he would, that they were... Pursue just, me and include me. And, yeah. yeah. But also, I'm also, for those of you who don't know, an African-American woman. So I can also thinking of, wow, how God has come to the nations and yeah. how he includes us. Mm-hmm. And like Jew and Gentile, thinking of the New Testament. There's totally. so much right. here where we could really be, I mean, we could spend a year. We I could, mean, and people do. Yeah, but yeah. like the fact that Jonah wasn't a prophet to God's people, like he wasn't a prophet to Israel. Yeah. God said, hey, I want you to go to my enemy. Yeah. 
and tell them about me. Let's see what happens. Because I've been telling my people about me and I can see what's happening. Let's try a new approach. Joni, you're going to hate this. But let's go. <laughs> let's go. I want you to go tell my enemies about me and see and how they respond. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I'm like, gosh, I feel like I should probably somehow relate to Jonah, but I can't find myself there. Where... I kind of agree. Yeah. Like, I feel the same. Like the answer is I'm like Jonah, but like, no, I think this is maybe personality, whatever it is, but like, I am maybe a champion for the underdog. Me too. Yeah. I'm like, go to those who are outcasts. Go yeah. to the ones mm-hmm. who... Our enemies, they go to the Pauls. Yeah. You know, and, like these are, were bad guys. Yeah. Like, they were yeah. like genuinely known as eye gougers. Like, Ugh. and they were killing babies. Like, they yeah. were like, as like sacrificing them. Like, mm. they were godless. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly like, that's the only way Who to describe them. They needed a God. They, needed, they a God. needed a God. And I think that when we like, you know, look at like, when we can think of like the worst of the worst mm. in our recent history and to go like, would we celebrate? Like, we, from mm. what we know, Jeffrey Dahmer. Mm. came to Christ right at the end. And like, am I excited to get to see him as a brother in Mm. heaven? Mm. I am. But I understand why that it might be a tough thing to arrive at for a lot of people. Agree. Right? A hundred percent agree. Or especially like people who are more closely connected with his story. Right, right, right. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Listen to this. Okay, so I want to skip ahead to tomorrow. (laughs) To the next reading day, we're going to read from Micah. But what I really want to read about, because I think this is a bridge here that's going to connect us over to Micah. In the Micah day, we are reading from Deuteronomy 10. And it's an amazing passage. We're reading 12 through 22. But right now, I want to read verses 17 and 18. And I want you to listen to like, who has the power? And then what does he what does he do with it? Because this is so related to what you guys are saying. And I love that the subject heading of what you're about to read is what God requires. requires. (laughs) So this is Deuteronomy 10, verse 17. For the Lord your God is the God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, mighty and awe inspiring God, showing no partiality and taking Mm. no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the resident alien, giving him food and clothing. And then it goes on like you also are to love resident alien. But what strikes me here is like God has all the power Mm -hmm. and the way he chooses to wield it is for the powerless. Mm -hmm. It's he chooses to use his might to bring in those from the margins, to pursue the Ninevites mm-hmm. and the Jeffrey Dahmers and the Amandas mm-hmm. and the Trillias mm-hmm. and the Rachels. Like he he is pursuing the hearts of his people. And we know from scripture, which we believe to be true, yeah. I know that about all three of us, right? Yeah. We believe this to be true, that his people, that title, God's people, it's made up of every tribe, every mm-hmm. tongue. That's right. Every yeah. and like all manner of sin represented. Mm-hmm. You know, like that is what the gospel is. Like when we're reading this in light of what we know from the New Testament and what Jesus is going to come and do, mm-hmm. <laughs> that Jesus, this is some Jesus gospel that we are seeing in Jonah. You know, it's so interesting. And in Micah, yeah. As you were talking, okay, before we started, Rachel prayed. Lord, reveal something new to us as your yeah yeah. And I was just he always does he does. I was just as you were talking about Deuteronomy and then the commentary on it. There is a theme of God 
going to the poor. Like Amos, yeah. we were just talking about that. Yeah. And then we were just talking about it. And there's this theme I'm seeing of the Lord who is executing justice for the poor, for the needy, for the outcast. The oppressed. The yeah. oppressed. That's mm-hmm. the yes. word I was looking for. And so I just... What a good God. Right. What a good God. Yeah. All the while pursuing relationship within the family, like within Absolutely, with Israel. His yeah. But he does a thing, like you said, he's not like us. He can yeah. do a lot of it. Like we talked a couple episodes ago about how Job and Abraham were contemporaries and he was doing yeah. really big things in two totally different scenarios and lives and stories. But he does this thing and I think about how I think about Israel, of course, as like, that's like the family of God. Like, that's his people, Abraham's lineage, and how complicated family is, right? How complicated relationship in family is and how they complicate it, right? He doesn't complicate it. Yeah. But then how, in some ways, I wish that the book of Jonah, we see that the Ninevites repent and believe and God relents disaster, but then the story follows Jonah. And I kind of mm-hmm. want to know, like, what mm-hmm. happens there? Like, I mean, I bet uh-huh. history could tell yeah. us. And maybe we'll put it in the show notes well, if we have does. a better answer we... to that. Amanda knows. <laughs> well, I don't know all the things. But in Nahum, the rest of this week is Micah and then Nahum. And Nahum, this is taking place after the events of Jonah. And okay. so it's actually Nahum is a prophecy about the fall of Nineveh. Um, oh, so, man. but you know, so I don't really know the full answer yeah. to your question, but we I know say, a piece oh, man, of that. Like I didn't, I just found out that Titanic had sunk. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, I know that like, Sarah, I, just I know that, the like, movie for Nineveh you. is not like still standing somewhere. I understand this. I mean, I don't know the Titanic sunk. So Micah, we're in Micah because I took us there through the back door of reading through Deuteronomy. And why but not? Micah, first of all, his name means who is like Yahweh. What a name! That's a good baby name. Still better than Jonah. We let all of you Jonas out there. You are loved, beloved by the Lord. So Micah was a contemporary of Isaiah, one of our major prophets, which is interesting. But while Isaiah focuses more on the royal family and people in power, Micah, you know, in tune with what you were just saying, Trillia, Micah talks more to the commoner, to Mm -hmm. the common people. And fun fact, he was from a town about 25 miles southwest of Jerusalem. So he had to journey away from his home. For his job. For his job as a prophet to God's people. Yeah. Does not pay well. But Micah, (laughs) if you don't know much about the book of Micah, I bet you've heard this key verse. Yes, ma'am. And maybe even have it on the wall of your home. (laughs) But let's read it in context here. Trillia, will you read for us? It's Micah 6. The key verse is verse 8, but I'd love to read 6 through 8. Yeah. What should I bring before the Lord when I come to bow before God on high? Should I come before him with burnt offerings, with year-old calves? Would the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or with 10,000 streams of oil? Should I give my firstborn for my transgression, the offspring of my body for my own sin? Mankind, he has told each of you what is good and what it is the Lord requires of you to act justly, to love faithfulness, and to walk humbly with your God. Mm, It's beautiful. It is in such a contrast. Like, are these the things you think I want? Because here's what I want. I don't know if this is the right context, so forgive me if I just take it totally out. But it reminds me of the book of Hebrews. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You know, like they're priests, they're having to sacrifice constantly, and he's like, nope, Jesus won and for all. There is... And then mm -hmm. he sat down. And then he sat down. Yes. Then he sat down. It's just... 
Yeah. Yeah. Hebrews 10. Yeah. Read the book of Hebrews. Mm-hmm. But Hebrews Just real 10. quick. Hold on. Yeah. I'll tell you how long it takes. <laughs> I'll tell you how long yeah. it takes. Yeah. Absolutely. Just, that's what it reminded me of. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, carry on. I think that's exactly right. Well, in the reading for the Micah day, as we'll call it, we get Matthew 9, 13, where Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and he says, you know, they're trying to correct him again. They always do. And he says to the Pharisees, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. And just like, I want to take this, (laughs) that verse that we've heard so much to, Mm -hmm. you know, act justly, love mercy, walk humbly with God. And I want to do what, you know, I can just hear Jesus telling me, just go learn what this means. Go learn what it means. You can spend a lifetime. Just go go learn what this means. And that beautiful, I did not come to call the righteous. But sinners, I mean, that speaks to oh, man. Jonah. All of it. Yeah. I mean, all the things. Yeah, it all speaks it. to all the things. Yeah. That, well, like, it's, it's all of the prophets. Yeah. That's what God is doing through the prophets. He is yeah. calling sinners. Yeah. Well, and when we talk about the family of God, like what God is actually doing is growing his family. That's right. He's mm-hmm. growing and he's grafting. And we think of that as happening primarily in the New Testament, Jews and Gentiles and all of that, that very upsetting thing that yeah. happened mm-hmm. in the early church that really shook things up, right? But God was doing that all along. Like we see the heart of God didn't change from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Mm -hmm. The heart of God has always been to bring the marginalized toward himself. Yeah, And it's interesting because to me, it kind of makes more sense of summing up all the law to love God with all our hearts, mind, soul, and strength and love our neighbor as ourselves. Because if we are going to walk humbly with God, right. that means yeah. that we are walking with God, that we love God, we have a relationship with God, we're pursuing God, we're worshiping God. And if we are going to do justice and act merciful, which mm-hmm. would be loving and kindness, that means mm-hmm. we're loving our neighbor. Yeah. So there is something about this mm-hmm. that reminds me of, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> he summed yeah. it up for us. Yeah, And how it matters. Our hearts before the Lord matters and the way we treat others, it matters. And he continues to remind them and remind us as an extension. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's been interesting to see the thread of all the things that we've talked about this episode, but like that thread of justice as something that is very important to God was really heavy through this week of reading and through these five books. I mean, we talked in our episode with Jess Connolly, I think when we were talking about Second Thessalonians, I think it was. And she was saying, you know, like she has friends who are like, I love God, but like I gotta tell you, like, justice is like really important to me. And she's like, fantastic. Like <laughs> no one loves if justice I get a deal more than you. God. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's just true that like no one loves justice more than God. And just to like land the plane here on Nahum, our, our yeah, yeah. final prophet for the week, in God's justice and in his goodness, he stands for his people. He's a refuge. And we're gonna see that. Let's just The key verse, let's read the key verse for Nahum. It's chapter 1, verse 7. And I encourage you to go read the full day and read it in context. But the verse on its own is, The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of distress. He cares for those who take refuge in Him. And so His justice is a place we can run to. Because... You know, our sin, like we just talked about, that's why we're so adamant about, now let's read some New Testament too, (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and get this full picture. Because of the work of Jesus, God can be completely holy and completely just and still welcome me, you know, and because Jesus has borne the wrath for my sin 
and he has taken that punishment. And so we see, you know, in this verse that says he is a stronghold in the day of distress. He is a refuge. It just is echoing. Yeah. Stronghold. Mm. Oh, stronghold is a good word. And it's echoed in like the Psalms of David. It's echoed in David's song of Thanksgiving from 2 Samuel 22, which we get in today's reading. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. I take refuge. And so that's our God. Yeah. That's our God. And is we who bear God's image and, you know, as God is transforming us, like we were talking about, like we're not like him, but he's making us like him. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. And as we who bear God's image, we should be a refuge for the oppressed. We mm. should stand for injustice. I mean, it reminds me of Rise Up. I yeah. was listening to it on the way here this I morning, guys. I love that song. Yeah, I do too. It's good job, Rachel. I oh. mean, and Ellie and, and Ruth. Ellie and yeah. Ruth. Yes. <laughs> I love it, was, it too. Yeah. It is such a strong song. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a call. It's a battle cry almost it's in a, a way. It's a strong yeah. song about a strong attribute of the Lord that's yes, right, that we're yeah. called to reflect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. That's right. Y'all, I, I love how surprised I get every time we, we mm-hmm. record an episode. And I mean, truly you're such a fun guest to have because oh, I love that you really you, are. you're just present. You're present in the reading and we just get to like, we're having Bible study together. Yes, I mean, that's what we're doing. And our goal, anytime we record an episode, you listeners, you friends, you know that we're just prepping you for the week to come. You're going to read these days in whole and like, and you're going to get to experience these and there's really good reflection questions each day. And you're going to get to ask and answer the questions, what's happening in this book of the Bible and how does it fit in the rest of scripture? And that's that's what we're doing in this series. Y'all, we have next week, Nancy Guthrie is coming to wrap the Old Testament with us. I mean, like heavy hitter. I'm so excited to bring her in. Feels like Miles Finch. We're bringing in Miles Finch <laughs> to wrap the, the Minor Prophets. And then after that, we're starting, like not missing a beat, and we're starting the New Testament. And this is the New Testament. And we're going to, Terry Lee Cobble's going to kick yeah, off the New Testament with be us. be back with us. It's just be like great. she did with the Old Testament, which is great. I missed that episode. I didn't get to. I know. I'm so excited I know, to be so there I get for to it. be there for it this Don't time. Don't get sick, Ray. I'll just do my best. It's in the <laughs> Lord's hands. Trillia, before we wrap, two things. Number one, beauty, goodness, and truth. As a repeat guest, you know, we love to spend an hour opening God's word and looking at the beauty, goodness, and truth that we find there. And then at the end of the hour, we look to our guests and say, hey, Trillia, where in your life are you seeing beauty, goodness, and truth that points you to Christ? Oh, I think right now I am seeing beauty, goodness, and truth in rest, which doesn't sound... Hallelujah. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, it has been a kind of crazy year. Well for everybody. And the Lord has been teaching me how to rest in Him and how not to strive. And I think that's, it's just been beautiful to just remind myself that I can do nothing apart from the Lord and that He is beautiful. And so I'm going to rest in Him and not in the striving because it's also beautiful. It's just, (laughs) I was thinking this morning about the boy with the fishes and loaves and like how simple it is. How simple that story helps me understand my place in the kingdom where I offer what I have and then he takes it and he multiplies it. So I get that just like just resting in the Lord yeah, and trusting yeah. him to do what he's going to do. I love that. That's beautiful. He's faithful to do it. He yes, will surely do it. He will surely do it. That's correct. <laughs> um, the church there at the end of the episode. I, I needed that, girls. <laughs> Listen. Okay, friends, this week, you know what to do. Be women and men in the word of God every day this week and then come back 
Next week, Nancy Guthrie is coming and it's going to be good. And Trillia, until next week, what do we tell our friends? Keep opening your Bibles. Thank you.